Welcome to Wayward Bodies, a show about our bodies and the messy places that they meet the world. I'm your host, Ellie Bauer-Johnster. Each episode, we'll be exploring embodiment, body liberation, creativity, healing, and how we can start to show up as our whole selves. Welcome to today's episode of Wayward Bodies, which is a conversation between me and Kylie Darling. We talk about erotic embodiment, the places spirituality and sexuality overlap, and using kink as a way to know yourself. Kylie Darling, aka Jade Jeepster, is a yoga and movement facilitator by day and a professional pervert by night. She's a creator of poetic filth designed to stimulate the mind and awaken personal concepts of sexuality. She holds a strong belief that spirituality and sexuality aren't mutually exclusive, and her work focuses on helping others explore their understanding of themselves through yogic philosophy, conscious kink, and shadow work. I loved getting to talk with Kylie. I think that so often in wellness and embodiment and kind of self-development worlds, our sexuality gets tucked to the side and hearing how she's not only brought her sexuality and embodiment practices together, but really let them inform and expand and grow into one another was such a delight. We talked about all sorts of good stuff, the realities of kink beyond the Fifty Shades stereotypes the interplay of kink and shadow work in accepting all of the different parts of you, both dark and light. We talked about bringing an attitude of play to your life in and out of the bedroom and the importance of stepping into your desires unapologetically. Before we get into this conversation, there are a few announcements and pieces of housekeeping that I should tell you about. First is that the course that Jolie Kelly and I are co-creating has a name. I've been telling you about it for the last couple of episodes and it finally has a name and that name is Homecoming. Some of you may already know what it's all about, but if you've missed it, then Homecoming is a six-week course all about coming home to yourself. If you're feeling lost or disconnected from yourself or overwhelmed and unsure about which way is up, and frankly, who isn't after this past couple of turbulent years, then this is for you. Jolly and I are combining our superpowers, which is self-belief coaching on her part and embodiment coaching on mine, to help you stop turning in circles so that you can start to listen in and align to what you know is true and then move forward from that place. If you want to know more, then head to my website, anotherpractice.com and you will find everything you need to know there. Just click on the link that says homecoming. A few podcast practicalities for this episode. So we did have a bit of sound quality issue in this conversation. We've done everything that can be done to make it sound beautiful for your ears in post-production but just to say thank you in advance for your sonic patience Okay, and before we get into this conversation with Kylie, I should probably give you some small content warnings. There is, as ever, some light swearing, and unsurprisingly, given the topic, we mentioned sex and kink. We don't go into great smutty detail or anything, but if you or someone you're listening with doesn't want to get into that today, then consider yourself content warned. Okay, in we go. Hi, Kylie. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. I thought that it might be useful to start with a story. And this is mostly just me going to be like really enthusiastically fangirling because I came to know your work through Naomi Absalom. So I was helping Naomi with um, her course Liberate and you were one of the participants. And in like possibly like the very first week, I don't know, when we first sort of opened up the, the social media group for us to all connect and people were doing introductions, you re- you wrote this amazing introduction of like, you know, yeah, I'm I, you know yoga teacher, movement teacher, but I'm also working with like Shibari as 
as an exploration of embodiment. I was like, oh my God, who the fuck is this woman? I love her. <laughs> yeah, um, I overshare quite a lot. I'm quite renowned for um, being quite, I don't really hold any shame over who I am anymore. And I'm just trying to express it as fully as possible. And if people don't like it, people don't like it. Some people find me too much. Other people absolutely love it. And these are my people. Yes, that's that's the magic, right? So I suppose that's a fairly good place to start talking about like the work that you do. Um, I mean, obviously, you're a yoga, yoga teacher and a movement teacher, and you're also working in conscious kink and like erotic embodiment. And I suppose it might just be helpful to start with a bit of a definition of like how how that actually looks. Like, what does what is that? Because I imagine people will go. Oh, she does like what, like Fifty Shades of Grey stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is the you know the cultural conscious understanding of of BDSM. Mm. So I'm a big believer in the fact that spirituality and sexuality aren't mutually exclusive. They both blend together so so well, and I've always been fascinated by kink and into kink and throughout my 20s I really sort of suppressed my sexuality when I became a mother and because of how I was quite young when I had my first child um, and because I'm heavily tattooed and things like that I was I was really conscious about how people would perceive me mm. so I really sort of suppressed any form of sexuality during that time and it wasn't until I just became really, really unhappy and I wasn't being true to myself when I sort of gave myself permission to explore things that brought me joy and made me feel sort of more alive and authentic to who I was. So conscious kink is, so a lot of people kind of familiar with like kink and BDSM, like you said, Fifty Shades kind of brought like a bit of a Disney version to the surface. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot deeper than that. But the whole conscious part of it is almost using like yogic philosophy within a kink practice. So just being more mindful about what you're doing, creating space to be truly open with your partner, partners or whatever. If you're working solo, working solo. And just taking the time just to figure out what it is that's going on, allowing yourself to explore like um, the senses during play because it's very heightened depending on what aspect of play you're sort of going into. And just being really aware and also trying to figure out why, so consciously figuring out why it is that you like a certain Thing, which is kind of where the whole shadow work comes into it so if you're quite into like a, a like a daddy little girl scenario which you know is super super um popular and a lot of people play with it it's kind of thinking hmm, why and obviously daddy issues is a massive thing I don't think I know anyone who doesn't suffer with daddy issues <laughs> but it's just sort of taking the time and using the aspect of kink to sort of consciously um, process anything that you may have dealt with in the past and just yeah, bringing things back to light. Mm, yeah, like not, as you said, sort of not dividing out the the sexual and the spiritual, like the sexual can inform your spiritual and vice versa. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and like what a, what a truly embodied experience our sexuality is like you know definitely. to say something is sensual like it's literally of the senses yeah definitely and you know there's such you all the senses and everything become so heightened during aspects of play and especially if you're allowing yourself to be completely present and not shut everything out because so many times when we're having like sex um we're not really connecting and we're not really feeling. It's just there for a quick release, you know, if you're feeling mm. stressed, it's like, oh my God, yeah, have a shag or whatever, or just sort of physical release. Um, and we're sort of missing out on a lot of potential 
um, that can be available to you if you allow yourself to be more actively present and just feel into everything that the body's experiencing. You can really sort of, yeah, bring yourself to really new levels. Um, yeah, it's a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, fascinating. Fa- fascinating. <laughs> Like a little sort of grandma clutching her pearls. Like, oh, fascinating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so much of your work sort of centres around that shadow work element as well. How has that unfolded for you, like both as a yoga teacher and in your work? Um, I imagine it also, you know, is parallel to your own experience of shadow work and stuff like that. Yeah, so a lot of this I never expected to be where I am now. A lot of this has just been my own sort of personal exploration and it's just sort of grown and grown when I started getting into shadow work. So I also have um, like a separate persona, which I do a lot of my artistic expression through, which is um, Jeepster. So she's kind of just organically manifested and she's been a great tool for me to use in order to explore areas of my past, but in a new light. Um, But again, it's also recognising that um, she is also me and it's been really really interesting like I said I wasn't expecting to like be talking about kink and bondage and sexuality (laughs) you didn't go to university with this in mind (laughs) (laughs) I was just sort of um looking at sort of healing myself and naturally curious and I've always been very sort of hypersexual um in my early teens all the time I never had many female friends when I was growing up. I was always kind of shunned from any female peers and it was like really, really lonely. So as a retaliation to that, I kind of just sort of sought the attention from men, which um, resulted in me just being really hypersexual in order to feel valued and of some sort of worth. And I was, I ended up doing like a lot of Um, modeling when I was younger I was a lap dancer when I was younger and it was all purely for the male gaze nothing was I was not empowered in the slightest and I'm so amazed to see so many younger women um, who are just owning it right from the start it's just like oh my gosh I was that strong back then I've learned a lot since then and yeah so I was in a really really bad place in my early teens um not early teens late teens early 20s And then obviously when I had my children, I was just like, oh, you know, really embarrassed about everything that I've done, felt really ashamed about my sexuality and tried to control it as much as possible, which just didn't work. Do you know what I mean? It's like everything needs to come to the surface eventually. And when you're trying to hold everything back, you're just going to, it's just going to lead to an unhappy life if you're not being true to who you are so doing the shadow work has been it's been me sort of revisiting that that sort of hypersexuality but doing it for my own gratification and in a way that pleases me so a lot of my work um when I'm sort of doing things artistically is more towards the female gaze it's more that things that I find um sexually appealing and fascinating and if people like it fair enough um but what's important is that I like it and I kind of reclaimed um that sort of part of me from the past and sort of put a new spin on it and I guess that's what a lot of my work is about that's such a a beautiful reclamation of self and like how how important that is, um, you know, in, in all aspects of our life. Like, you know, the work that I do with, with people and like embodiment and like getting comfortable in their skin is the same as the work that you do, getting comfortable in their sexuality. Like, and how much that reclamation and um, reclamation of the gaze, especially as someone who is female, it's such a such a um, empowering thing to do, and I think you know empowerment gets very very overused. But to to take back that little internal audience that's always there, sort of like looking at you and judging you and being like, actually, I'm just going to do this from like the root up, 
rather than from the outside in. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm just been just amazed by the sort of progress that I made in quite a short amount of time, just from being able to revisit the areas of my past and just take that that control back and be like, oh, you can be sexual and you can earn it and it is okay. And you know I mean, this is part of who you are. And like I said, it is massively empowering. And from that empowerment, I've really found a deeper sense of acceptance and self-love, which I've never had available to me at all, like during my time growing up. Do you know what I mean? I've always picked myself apart constantly. There was always something wrong, whether it was physically or um, I didn't like how, maybe how I was perceived like mm. as a person. Do you know what I mean? So I was always concerned about how everyone sort of saw me and reacted to me. And just from getting that empowerment, I'm like, you know what? I'm all right. I'm not too <laughs> bad. I like who I am. And that's all that matters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In my life who I adore and they adore me. And that's all that really matters. Everyone's going to have their own idea and perception of how you are. And as long as you're okay with who you are, mm. that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's like it's like moving from um sort of I always think of this as a very um visual representation for a audio medium, but hopefully it translates. Um it's like standing in a circle, like moving from standing in a circle and you're in the middle and everyone's turning and looking at you mm. to suddenly everybody's just standing all like by themselves pointing out in different directions and you are there at your own centre rather than this constant external gaze yeah. that you feel as though you have to perform yourself for uh, definitely. yeah definitely. the piece about um acceptance I think really runs through all of your work um and beneath that the the kind of coming to truth and how that truth can be deeply uncomfortable Ooh. and you know and can can you know it's not like we we sort of find that truth and it's like oh this is beautiful amazing you know sunshine and bunnies mm -hmm. there's there's so much challenge in really honoring ourselves and honoring the things that are true for us and from that comes that sense of that sense of agency that sense of like wholeness i'm not sure there's actually a question there of just like meandering off what you've said so far <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Um, my journey has not been smooth or beautiful or easy. It's been hard as fuck. It's been <laughs> like rocky from start to finish. Um, but just finding that, that acceptance of, do you know what I mean? Everything is fine. Everything, do you know what I mean? When you sort of really sit and dissect, the moment for as it truly is you realize that everything is just it you know what I mean it's fine it's perfect I'm completely whole the way I am and as long as I can find some sort of stillness and honor in that then you're unshakable yeah. and obviously you're going to have moments when you know stuff catches up with you and doing this sort of work when you start sort of delving into your past and like the darker aspects of your psyche you know you are gonna come across some things that are really hard to digest and really make you sit and think and it's not easy and it's not clear but just realizing that you aren't your past or your stories these things don't define you as a person everything that defines you is how you are presenting yourself sort of right now in this moment every, everything you do in this moment will determine on how your sort of future maps out do you know what I mean the past is the past there's no point getting hung up on everything that's happened by all means go out and revisit it and sort of try and like I said like reclaim sort of darker areas of the past but try not to get hung up on those stories and define yourself by them and sort of allowing yourself to fall into that almost victim role sometimes um which is easily done and I catch myself trying to do it every now and again like something 
will come up and innocently I just want to sort of oh sort of sink down and it's like oh it's so easy to get depressed and be a victim here and it's hard trying to make the effort to climb back up but it is doable and it does lead to a more just blissful and content way of being I think eventually. That's it's really interesting to hear you talk about the um the balance of like you know bliss and contentment and being with what's hard because I think you know the the kind of story that we get from the culture is like well at some point you will you will reach bliss and contentment and then you will stop yeah and things will be easy forever mm. and actually yeah there there is that like that deeply comforting pull of like oh I could just not do the work here I could just like slip into the soft cushions of like of old habits and just like you know open Instagram and turn on the TV and like scroll and numb myself out and not look at this and maybe that'll be some form of contentment but contentment and bliss are inherently linked to to sort of like dropping into the things that we have been trying to not look at yeah yeah it's all and it's hard work when you're trying to sort of change those like neurological pathways when your instant reaction to something is to just sink and it's just Mm. okay this you know we can do this we can be depressed and we can wallow and this is how things will be but trying to catch yourself and the more you do it, the more you can witness it. And there's mm. been times when I've sort of felt that sort of sinking and that pulling. And I can you can see it happening now. And it's just like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 you know, snap out of this. And you, it's hard. It's hard. Like you said, it's so tempting to fall into the cushions and grab your phone and start scrolling. Um, and the work is difficult. But obviously, the more you're able to catch yourself, the more you're able to make this your new way of reacted and these become like your new habits and it does become easier and then you do find that bliss um which is sort of available to you more frequently then and it's not necessarily a state of happiness it's just being content and just realizing everything's impermanent anyway nothing I mean nothing's guaranteed so we might as well you know what I mean forget about the fact that and you know that we need to strive for happiness because happiness isn't a state that we can be in all the time but you can be content with how you are how you're feeling acknowledge that realizing that there's nothing as negative emotion do you know i mean all emotion is valid just finding that contentment and realizing maybe why and then you probably realize that not that much of a bigger deal when you sit and think about broader picture. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's um there's so much power in uh, learning to zoom out, and mm. it's it really is a practice. Like you know, it's not to say that that this is. I mean, maybe you do. This is certainly not my experience, but maybe you do go like you know. Yes, I've decided this, and now I'm going to do it every time, and you know, get it get it right every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I fail constantly. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's just you know I mean things can get overwhelming and it's just like okay let's go for the easy option this yeah. time you've but got three know. kids like that's <laughs> amazing <laughs> um but yeah sometimes the effort may be a little bit too much it's like okay I'm aware of what I've done and I, mm. you know what I mean it's like okay I've made this mistake again I've been reactive again and not give myself a hard time about it because no one's perfect and then hopefully next time I can catch it and do better. <laughs> Have you found that that's um, part of your like your own sort of BDSM kink play as well like that that ability to you know I suppose because they are scenes you know they're they're outside of day-to-day life and it's it's there is a sense of play there that you get to try stuff out and be like did that work that didn't quite work how could I do it different next time yeah and um kink involves clear communication which is something that I never really experienced in like previous relationships um and again it's like 
there's a sense of embarrassment and shame when you start talking to a partner, especially a new partner, and trying to talk openly about things that you really like, things that you want to try out. It, you know what I mean? It's it can yeah, yeah. Everyone usually has to have like sort of five drinks to be, to get to that point. It's like, um. The beauty with any sort of kink is that you need that good communication there in order for a scene to be successful, in order for people to be seen and heard. Because even if you are working, it would be like a BDSM dynamic if there's like a power exchange. Um, even if you're in the role of being a submissive, you still need that place beforehand in order to allow yourself to be heard before you enter a scene and you know say what you would like from it and then obviously when you go into the scene then you can drop into character um but I find kink is an amazing way to still indulge with all those little traits that may not be necessarily healthy to have in your day-to-day life mm. um, you can sort of explore that um in a controlled environment and then you sort of be able to sort of indulge a little bit here and not take it out into the real world and that's been something that's definitely helped me because I was always quite sort of submissive out in the real world. I'm such a people pleaser. I never, do you know what I mean, would just go along for anything for an easy life. Um, and I was like it all the time, whereas if I, with my dominant and I'm able to indulge like a fully submissive role and I'm, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being that role. And because I feel fulfilled there, I found that I have more power outside as well. So now I don't allow people to walk all over me um, quite as much. And I'm allowed to, I mean, I like my voice to be a bit more heard than what it once was. So it's definitely an amazing way to allow yourself, like I said, to indulge in those little traits that may not be so healthy for Mm. everyday life, but you can still sort of play with. In, in a fun way, it's, it's good. It's nice to explore different things and just sort of see what arises, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, as you said, like, it's fun. It's pleasurable. Like, this isn't, you know, it, it's, it's, we've talked a lot about, you know, challenge and things being, you know, hard work. And, and but in the end, like, you know, this is about pleasure and about the things that are, deeply gratifying like gratifying and satisfying um to to different parts of you um do you find I mean do you find the balance between you know being on one hand like in the yoga world and on the other hand in the kink world do you find the sort of like the balance of that a little curious um I I feel like yoga world is like so often completely devoid of sexuality it's just like everything's beautiful and shiny and we're all Ken dolls like nobody's got genitalia (laughs) oh my gosh it's been it was my biggest fear um trying to sort of bring sort of my sex work into make it more open and sort of yeah so it was definitely my biggest fear and it was only probably about maybe six months ago when I actively mentioned um, the work that I was doing within the industry on my sort of my main yoga social media page and I was like oh, here we go it's like how are you know the studios going to react like the ones who you know where I work and how a client's going to react. Um, because it's such a taboo thing for, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, my yoga instructor is a sex worker. And it's like, oh my goodness. And I, I always find it strange when people refer to me as a sex worker. Um, I still find it strange now. Um, but it's definitely been interesting. I've been really pleasantly surprised by the support that I've had from people who I deeply respect in the like wellness industry. Nice. Some studios 
will not touch me um and that's okay um, would they have touched you in the first place though because you are like heavily <laughs> tattooed and you know yeah I always describe myself as a bit of a a marmite instructor people either like me or they don't and that's absolutely fine it was hard for me when I first became, became an instructor I find it really really difficult and again because of the way I look um because um, obviously heavily tattooed I was really concerned about not being taken seriously or being a bit of a niche or things like that and I always found myself trying to perform in a way that I knew some of the other instructors were doing in the do you know what I mean the way that they was teaching the class their style of class mm. I was like oh maybe I need to be more like this in order to get work and you know they're well liked and then it didn't last long. Do you know when something just doesn't sit right? It's like taking all the joy out of a practice that I hold so close to my heart. I was like, I can't do this. I just feel like, and I'm just being some, I'm not being true to myself. Yeah, it's like slipping on a Halloween costume yeah. of a yoga teacher. Yeah, um, and I just couldn't do it. Like you said, the industry is it's a funny place to work and I wasn't quite aware of it until I did my training and she's like oh this is fun <laughs> so yeah I've always been one of those teachers where I may, may have been seen as being a bit of a risk in taking on um but I've managed to get some really good friends like from um students who have been to sessions and who still enjoy the way I teach and I teach um, different forms of movement as well so I'm really blessed to be in a few studios around Leeds and Bradford who fully embrace me for how I am. They're not freaked out by the other work that I do. No one really talks to me about it, um, which is interesting. Um, that is. That's really interesting. <laughs> maybe they're just trying to... Like, I don't know what's polite. <laughs> maybe trying to, like, yeah, pretend that it's not there are again it's just people feeling uncomfortable mm. around any conversation around sexuality and sex especially like you say within the wellness industry people just feel like oh it's not its place to be there when yeah it- and I mean it you know it's it's within yoga you know there's in the yamas and niyamas it's you know like you know contain yourself and and people reading it as celibacy and so yeah. there, there is this really deep-rooted, like, uh, I was going to say sex, the the opposite of sex positivity, which is sex negativity, um, or maybe just like sex avoidance. Yeah. Um, and how strange, like, you know, how strange to deny what is a, a like, really, really basic biological thing that we all have, you know, a sex drive within us. Yeah. And unless, you know, people, it varies, people, some people don't, but like there is a biological drive for reproduction. And then on top of that, there is our sexuality, which is rich and varied. And yeah, it's, um, I think it's absolutely like a delight to have more people in wellness talking about the fact that this is, this is part of our experience of wholeness. Definitely, definitely, because I always follow more non-dual teachings when it comes to yoga philosophy. So in my yoga practice, I'm not trying to transcend into something else. I believe that this is our reality. This is mm. everything here is here to be enjoyed and, you know I mean, explored. And that includes sexuality. Um, you, you, I mean, you can use your senses to really sort of open up and just find enjoyment in the everyday of being. And if that includes sex, sexual practices, kink, bondage, whatever, then just, I mean, explore and allow yourself to be open and just live freely without any shame or guilt over thinking that if you're kinky or a bit of a slut that it means that you're less spiritual in some way because mm. I mean some people will think of me like oh you're not spiritual you know you're doing all this stuff it's like I don't know I, you know I beg to differ, I, beg <laughs> to differ. I don't think that 
enjoying sex or enjoying certain aspects of play makes you any less of a do you know what I mean? Of a yoga in that aspect. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a very big question of what makes you spiritual? Is hmm. it, you know, is it wearing a robe and a fancy hat? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm really curious because I know so much of your, um, well, from your, from like your social media, uh, a lot of the pictures are of you in like shibari and your, your own shibari practice um, for those who don't know what shibari is, firstly, do you want to define? <laughs> um, it's Japanese rope bondage. So, yeah, it's restraining with rope. Mm. And it's a beautiful practice. And, again, it was one that I always found visually just so beautiful to look at. You, you see gorgeous images of people in suspension. Gorgeous, yeah. And it just massively appealed and I, I used to mention it to my ex-husband and he just never really was interested I, I really wanted the experience of being put in rope um, and he just it wasn't his thing and I was like oh fair enough and then when I left that relationship the, the fascination was just so strong and the urge was still there. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to learn to do this myself. I don't need anyone else in order to explore an aspect of kink. And I found that with a lot of other practices as well. I tend to explore certain things solo before I do it with a partner. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm. Nice. Um, so with rope, I started, because I used to be fibrized as well. So I used to think like, plant hangers and things so I was already quite good with knots and things <laughs> you've got an existing skill set yeah um so I just started practicing and I found it to be such an amazing experience and it always quite baffled me so I sometimes would tie my legs and my waist and have it quite restricting and then I would use that to sort of sit in meditation as well and if you've ever done yin yoga so when you're holding you know seated or laying down postures and you're supported and the other idea is to soften and to let the body just release and be with sensation and be with what is being aware that it's not going to last forever and just putting up with that sense of discomfort I found it really really similar to that but mm. 10 times more intense and I was like this is so so interesting that I've got a similar spiritual experience to what I've had during really intense gym practice but I'm bound in rope instead it just was incredibly heightened for me and mm. I was really able to get into some really interesting headspaces during like sessions and yeah it's just sort of developed from there and just pure curiosity of um what I'm able to do the positions I'm able to hold seeing how uncomfortable I can make myself and just seeing obviously that you need to be safe during these I always have safety scissors close by and you know never tie alone you know always have someone who's there who can help you if you mm. need, you know a quick um get out um, but yeah, it's been really beautiful thing to explore. And I always would see myself as more of a bottom, but I've never been tied by many people. I've only been tied by two people and I tend to top more now. And I, I love the idea of facilitating that experience for someone and just the artistic expression from like manipulating a body and holding it in place with rope and just seeing the person who you're working with just sort of slip into this headspace. It's, um, it's an amazing thing to witness and it's definitely been one of my, it's one of my favourite aspects of kink is definitely rope bondage. I love it. I love it. So, I love yeah, that. Yeah, not just visually, but just... Yeah, physically as well, just what, what you're able to do and the areas you're able to go within the head and the mind, it's, yeah, it's a gorgeous practice. Yeah, and, and you know, as you're speaking of it, the 
the overlap of meditation and and like you know shifting of consciousness and how how you know how similar it is to me teaching yoga nidra or something like that like it's obviously different but also like the the satisfaction of holding space for someone to move into that deeper sense of themselves yeah. um and what a yeah what a what a sort of interesting dynamic that is to hold um yeah like and it, you know it's so different to what you might imagine as kink league or it's like oh it's power play and it's you know got you know it's got this sort of like there's somebody with a whip and there's somebody who's like you know in chains and it's it's so much more than like that yeah. cartoon version of it there's there's real depth to it yeah there is mm. um yeah and, and you don't need to be a sadist or into pain in any way in order to do mean there's so much that can be explored from things that are so subtle such as well granted you can have really intense rope experiences but you can have you know quite easy ones to get you in there's other forms of restraint you can do and like I said you don't need to be into pain to enjoy kinking do you know what I mean in any way you can just sort of play with the dynamic without impact Oh, I mean, without anything like that. Mm. And there's, I think, in the in the kink scene, there's so there there's built in care as well. Like it's not that this is something that you do that's really challenging, and then you're left and you know you're kind of thrown back in the deep end of of real life. There is this beautiful uh, culture of like aftercare. Um, yeah, and and like has that. Uh, I suppose, like, has that woven into your own experience outside of the kink scene as well? Like, you know, how you offer yourself care, how you offer other yeah. people care? Definitely. Yeah, aftercare is as important as the play itself. You need that time to come back down to base level to reconnect with your play partner. And just, you know, aftercare can take on so many forms you know it might just be a, a cuddle and a chat but being able to talk about things afterwards is always you know a, a, a must in my opinion you need that time just to reconnect and yeah come back down and definitely allowing that to sort of overflow in my day-to-day life um I'm big on looking after myself now I never used to be I always used to put everyone else first I used to run myself ragged and I'd always be the last person that I'd ever look after whereas now um I always prioritize what I need um even when it comes to my children obviously as long as they're like oh well looked after if I need some downtime it's like okay mommy's gonna go have some quiet time now boys it's like mm-hmm. when you realize when you need that headspace to sort of ground back down and realizing because a lot of my work is all about finding like a deep self and sort of self-reference and self-love so you can truly honor everything that you are and all the potential that you hold and taking the time to look after yourself is a great way of connecting with that just sort of taking the time for yourself because knowing that you are worthy of that time and it's important to give yourself that time it is just yeah it just helps massively I think just being able to look after yourself well and listen to your body and what you need is, is a vital tool. I think it's interesting to to think about uh, the the recognition of different dynamics being necessary so like you know that we can move into things that are intense we can move into like things that are really challenging whatever you know whatever shape that takes and then we don't have to stay there that it's important that we also hold space to move back and to soften back and to kind of as you said come back to to base level and I think that we live in 
certainly an external kind of dominant culture that just goes just go just go into the, the most all the time um and it's quite a quite a revolutionary thing to say well actually you can do both <laughs> like you can you know both are really are really important that it's not that you want to stay soft and you know like it's quietly stroking each other's faces forever <laughs> yeah and it's not that you know you want to push to the extreme all the time the there is a spectrum and you need to be able to move along it yeah just enjoying that fluidity and knowing that things can be different mm. each time like you say sometimes you may not want to play hard and you might just want the face jokes and knowing that's perfectly fine and really listening to what it is that you need in that moment um is really important I think mm. but yeah just knowing that if you are working with a regular dynamic with a regular partner knowing that giving yourself the space and that openness in order to communicate if you want to try something new and if you want to switch things up a little bit again there's so much like you said it's just a massive spectrum of things that can be tried out and allowing yourself to be curious and yeah. explore what there is out there because it's endless it's endless and and to trust what is true for you mm. um and that is a whole practice in and of itself is to like even listen to what is true for you and then to trust what is <laughs> what it is that you're hearing like you know that's that's years of work for <laughs> you know for some of us um and how yeah how important that is just as a life skill yeah i think that's why i do a lot of my practice solo mm. is that i can figure out what it is that i like so i can go in with i know exactly how my body works i know exactly what i like now and what i don't like and i'm able to take this information to other people and say you know this this this, this is what i like this is what i don't yeah. because i've taken my time you know, i've taken the time and given myself um that space to find out you know what's my truth and not allowing that to be clouded by someone else who you may be going into a scene with obviously some people might spark a certain curiosity you may you know meet up with a partner when you're going through you know your likes your boundaries your hard limits or whatever and they may say something and it may not have been something that you claim and it's like oh light in the back of your back of your head turns on yeah and then obviously you might end up following that but I definitely like giving my like you said time to look after myself to find out what I want and then time to explore self-pleasure and try out different things solo um has been really really good for me it's been able because like I said communication never used to be my strong point mm. really sort of I always found it hard to communicate with partners about what I really liked and it's been something that I've really worked hard on um so yeah but now that I, I've given myself the tools and I've got a big list of all the things do you know what I mean that I figured out which was a lot of it was just yeah just like trial and error it's like hmm, I wonder I wonder if I like food play let's go home and try this out it's like oh I do like food play yeah. um but yeah it's, it's just fun it's just fun to explore and just play we don't play everything's too serious and kink should not be serious you obviously mm. see these pictures and it looks so stern and angry but it can be so playful even with like a BDSM dynamic when you have that power exchange you can still have a massive amount of playfulness there um like within a certain role or theme or anything yeah it's, it's nice to just sort of just play and almost be childish with it and just release any expectation and then that's another thing is you have you go into these things with so much expectation on how you think that something should look and just release that and just enjoy it for what it is be present for it yeah amazing yeah. i love that I love um, the way that you have, like, you know, if, if we had this conversation and I didn't know you were a yoga teacher, 
and we were just talking about kink, and we'd been like, "Wow, she's like a you know got this whole yogic philosophy thing down, but like from a from a completely different angle." And obviously, of course, you are a yoga teacher, um, but yeah, like the way that they so the two sides of your work so clearly overlap and inform one another is just like so beautiful and I really appreciate you taking this time to have a conversation with me so would you like to let people know where they can find you both both sides of your work so you can find me I am mainly on Instagram and for my yoga work you will find me on underscore Kylie Darling and for my kink work, I will be under Jade Jeepster. But they're the main places that you can find me on both of those accounts. There'll be a, like a list and like links to all the other places that you can find my work, um, whether it be through OnlyFans, um, the embodiment website, or things like that. But yeah, everything's on those two accounts. And how can people work with you if they desire to do so? So I am currently working on um, the HR project, which is erotic embodiment and conscious kink work. At the moment, I am available to work one-to-one with people, um, helping people sort of stepping into this sense of self-reverence and embodiment and helping them with aspects of shadow work. I'm currently writing a Book, which will hopefully go alongside a program which I'm still piecing together so it's still a working process at the moment being yeah, it's still slowly yeah. being birthed crowning nicely at the moment amazing well I can't wait to see what happens once the Usher project is fully birthed into the world and um yeah thank you again for taking the time to talk thank with you me. it's been wonderful A thousand thank yous to Kylie for joining me for today's episode. You can find all of the details of where to find her, both as Kylie Darling and as her alter ego, Jade Jeepster, down in the show notes. I can really recommend it. Both of her feeds are magnificent. If you like what you hear and you want to help support Wayward Bodies, then that would be amazing. You can subscribe. You can rate, you can review, all of those things that you can do to help a podcast get into more people's ears. Or if you want to go old school, you could tell someone. Word of mouth is is pretty magic. If you want to get in touch about today's episode, then you are welcome to drop me an email at waywardbodies at protonmail.com. And if you want to find out more about my work, including my new course, Homecoming, and how to work with me one-to-one, then head to my website, anotherpractice.com. You can also find me in the wilds of Instagram at anotherpractice. But to be honest, the real good stuff goes to my newsletter, babes. I get fortnightly emails with exclusives and first dibs and special deals. And frankly, it's just nicer to have a slower conversation rather than the constant flurrying scroll of social media. So if you want to come join, then you can find the link to sign up on my website. All right. Until next time. Big love.